podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you looking for the perfect way to take your brand to the next level? Want to reach a dedicated, engaged audience that's all ears? With Audiohook.com, you can do just that. Audiohook is the premier podcast advertising platform, connecting advertisers with some of the best podcasts in the world. Audiohook uses advanced targeting techniques to ensure your message reaches the right ears at the right time. With detailed analytics, you'll be able to track your campaign's performance and optimize your strategy for maximum impact. Plus, their team of experts are there every step of the way, providing guidance and support to make your campaign a success. So, whether you're a startup, a small business owner, or a marketing pro, Audiohook is your one-stop shop for podcast advertising success. Head over to audiohook.com to start your journey today. Experiences are what people love most about travel. With Viator, you can browse and book tours and activities so incredible you'll want to tell your friends. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures in over 190 countries. There's something for everyone. Download the Viator app now and use Viator 10 for 10% off your first booking. One app, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are previewing the upcoming game for the Kansas Jayhawks, the newly bowl-eligible Kansas Jayhawks, who are looking to expand upon that record, qualify for potentially a better bowl game, um, and see what they can do to stay as far away from the seller of the Big 12 Conference as they possibly can this year. To help me preview the Texas Tech Red Raiders, who are they? Who they are playing? It is none other than I'll be sure he is the Texas Tech guy that I go to to talk about all of these programs. Albie, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Texas Tech basketball just won and beat Texas Southern, a NCAA tournament team. So that's that's always good. And actually, not just beat them, but blew them out. Um, I know Kansas just beat North Dakota State, so that's fantastic for you. And all Big 12 teams are in the good, except unless you live in Oklahoma. Unless your team is in the state of Oklahoma in basketball, it's all gravy. Football, if you're in the state of Oklahoma, it also pretty pretty much sucks because you're either an say, Oklahoma State fan and your 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 quarterback is the coach's son, or you're an Oklahoma fan, and that's just been a, a whirlwind of problems this year. And so, um, so yeah, so football is a whole other thing for an Oklahoma, but for Kansas and Texas Tech, both interesting seasons. Yeah, you know, good we interesting were, for you, interesting interesting for me. Well, right. I mean, you know what? At, at some point, as long as it's not absolutely atrociously awful it's got to be at least somewhat of a good interesting so but but no um you know we were of course all hoping as fans of the teams being left behind in the big 12 by oklahoma and texas that you know they would both have problems it looks like oklahoma is just sucking enough for for both of those teams and it's spilling over so much that it's uh, affecting the cowboys as well unfortunately for for our good friend philip slavin um you know that is unfortunately sometimes just the way that it goes but this obviously you know, is a is more of a matchup, more of an intriguing matchup than I think you and I were talking about beginning the year. Because I'm going to tell you, looking at the beginning of the year, we were staring down the possibility that these were two of the three worst teams in the Big 12 Conference. Um, you know, like as much as I believed in what Kansas was able to do, it was undeniable that you look on paper and there was probably only one other team that could potentially be worse than these two on paper coming in. Of course, as we know, they don't play the games on paper, which is absolutely a great thing for us in this particular season, but uh, some some newer coaches making some big impacts with their teams. Kansas, you know, as I said at the beginning, is now bowl eligible, getting their sixth win against Oklahoma State this last week. And Texas Tech, while they are not there yet, they are, you know, kind of or close enough that they could make some noise and potentially get to a bowl this year. But it is just the first year under Joey McGuire. 
Um, I, I, I have to ask, I, this, this is the impression I get, but I want you to confirm it for me. Is this about as good as you were hoping for in year one of Joey McGuire, seeing a team that is competing like this, even if the results haven't necessarily gone the way that you would hope they would? For me, absolutely. Like, so I predicted at the beginning of the year, the tech would be four and eight. That was my prediction. I said four wins. I wasn't a big fan of the roster. Um, and then I, first year coaches are always going to be a, a thing. Like that's just, um, yeah, it's either really good backs. or really bad. Usually. Yeah, unless you're Sunny Dykes, apparently. But, yeah. <laughs> but well, well, really uh, good or really bad. And Sunny Dykes just sure. got the that's really true. good this year. He's got the really good spot, point. But even though Maguire, it's interesting. He's like really good or really bad. It's kind of been in the middle for Maguire. He's one of the rare cases of in the middle there. But I think he's done a really good job of this team fights. Well, very resilient. Maguire's very the really light. good and the really bad at the same time. <laughs> or or alternating. <laughs> well, the last two weeks for Texas Tech, the really oh, bad has both been in the fourth quarter. And it's the fourth quarters of the last two weeks of these games have been abysmal. Like like some of the worst, um, not like the worst decisions. So not really play, just awful decisions in awful times of the last two games. Right, right when you're in the game too. So it's not a situation where, you know, it's like, oh, it's blood anyway. Both against Baylor and TCU, Tech was right in the game. For the Baylor game, we're only within a touchdown. So right there to potentially get a chance to tie the game. Uh, against TCU, we had to lead and just fourth quarter implosions on both of those. But, uh, but overall, the team is very resilient. The team fights really hard. Um, and, and which is very different than the team we saw just, uh, last couple of years with under Matt Wells. Well, I do have to ask because you talked about some of the decisions that were made, but. My my impression of what Joey McGuire said when he first got here was that they were going to like they were going to be a team that was going to take some risks. They were going to show some you know belief in the players that they have and the way they had stuff set up, and that translates, I think, directly into the you know the fourth down calls that they made in terms of going for it in some not necessarily traditional places to be going for it. So, like, was this the kind of decisions that you were prepared for coming into the year when he was talking about you know? How, how aggressive they were going to be and how they were like going to bring the style in, or is this even over the top from what you were thinking? Let me tell you, let me tell you something, Andy, there's aggression. And then there's Joey McGuire. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> that man, that man is wild. He's a wild <laughs> boy. All right. But I, at this point, I've kind of gotten used to it. I think some of the decisions that has been really head scratching just kind of goes beyond the fourth, the, the fourth down calls. Um, it's, it's stuff like the quarterback mismanagement, I would say, uh, recently, right against, against Baylor, we had a situation where all three quarterbacks played and all three quarterbacks threw interceptions because all three quarterbacks were cold and all three quarterbacks went in at, at inopportune times. Um, last week, it was, you know, a question of what did the right quarterback start? And I'm, I'm definitely going to have that question going forward. The, as Tyler Shuck, um, is the quarterback that came to tech, highly regarded, a potential NFL draft pick, got hurt, um, came in this year announced a starter, got hurt again, and he has not looked like the Tyler Shuck that was slinging it at Oregon, has not looked like the Tyler Shuck that played last year against Houston since coming back from back-to-back collarbone injuries. And so um, so there's a big question on that. Donovan Smith, very inconsistent. But when you got good Donovan Smith, that man is good. That man is good when you got a good version of him. Flip side, he can be pretty bad when you got a bad version of him. Well, and, so like that, and, and just like we talked about, you get the really good and the really bad with Joey McGuire in the same game. Even you have the same thing with Donovan Smith because the week that he yeah. won Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year, he had two touchdown passes and three interceptions. Like you know, he you, you get the good and the bad with him at the exact same time. Um, to your point about Shuck, like how how much of this though with the quarterback situation is kind of a symptom of Joey McGuire coming in and just trying to figure out what he wants the identity of this team to be because. You know, Shuck was here before. Donovan Smith was here before. Um, Morton, I, I don't remember if if McGuire was actually the person that uh, that recruited Morton, or if he was part of the recruiting class when McGuire came in. I, yeah. I think it was early enough that like it was kind of a little bit of both. But but you know, Morton, the way that he played when he had to get pressure in the service and played really well, you know, it, it seemed like at least in the two weeks that he was a starter, you know, that that he was kind of that new fresh energy, the new guy, the guy that was they were going to use moving forward. And then, of course, injury for him as well. He got injured in the first game that he played, uh, and that ankle injury, you know, kind of really, really, well, we can talk about TCU at some point and their, and their uh, incredible quarterback injury luck at some point. But um, the point is, I think, that Morton, 
looked like he was the guy that was taking over and being the quarterback moving forward. And then having to go back to a guy like Shuck, who, like you said, two significant collarbone injuries. Like Texas Tech has a unfortunate history of quarterbacks getting injured. Um, you know, and, and, and it seemed like that has continued. And this year it's like spilled over to all of the Big 12, right? Like all of the Big 12, with the exception of TCU, I think has had their, their main quarterback out for at least a week well, due to an injury. So technically Max Duggan's the backup. Well, technically, <laughs> but technically. So. I, well, no, no, actually you're right. So yeah, even TCU <laughs> is not immune. They just unfortunately had probably one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 this year as their backup. So they, you know, threw the other guy out there to get injured in the first game so that they could have a backup ready to go. Yeah, yeah. it it was all smart. Sonny Dykes, you know, is a mastermind uh, chess player in terms of football uh, personnel. But but no, unfortunately for Texas Tech, all three of our quarterbacks have been injured this year. So that's the thing. So like if you from the outside looking in, you may say, oh, we're playing a quarterback carousel. No, Tyler Shuck was the starter, got hurt. Donovan Smith became the starter, got hurt. Baron Morton became the starter and is now hurt. And so that's, right. that's basically how it's, how right. it's done. There's a so big, now it's a carousel. There's a big difference between the carousel that is because you can't decide on which quarterback you think is best and the carousel that is a requirement because guys can't stay healthy. Um, and, and not really necessarily like any, any fault of theirs. Cause it's not like any of those injuries were them doing stupid things or, you know, them just not taking care of themselves in the way that they need to, to stay healthy. It's legitimate injuries that just happen in the course of play. And it's just been bad luck for Texas tech at the quarterback position. But with all that being said, looking at this team, looking at this offense, was this the type of offense that you were expecting Joey McGuire to be running? Or is this been kind of something that's evolved as the season's gone on and you're not really sure what it is you're looking at right now? Yeah. So McGuire does. So one thing about Joey is he really leaves up with the coordinator. So Zach Kittley is the new offensive coordinator was uh, the offensive coordinator for Western Kentucky last year, high flying, number one offense in the country, had Bailey Zappi at quarterback. He was at Houston Baptist the year before that. Um, also had Bailey Zappi there. Bailey Zappi is now the future quarterback for the New England Patriots. Um, and so, uh, and and he's the new offensive coordinator at Texas Tech. There's some growing pains. Zach Kittley as the offensive coordinator. Um, just it, you know, some people thought that he might be able to come to Tech and just would once again be able to just flash it, right? You went from Southland Conference to the Sun Belt to the Big 12, and it's just all going to be seamless, and it hasn't been. There's been some growing pains coaching at the P5, Big 12 level, and uh, some of that – so what he tries to do is he's from the Cliff Kingsbury air raid, which is a little bit different than Mike Leach air raid. The Cliff Kingsbury air raid of of spreading receivers out and – and really trying to be up tempo, get the ball out quickly, and things like that. And it, it really worked with Baron Morton because that's his style. That's what Baron Morton style of play that Baron Morton played in high school. That's what he's used to. And so with Baron Morton, it was kind of like they were gelling together. I think that's one of the reasons why he was so successful. However, that style is a little bit more difficult for Tyler Shuck and Donovan Smith, from what I've seen. Right? Donovan Smith is very much actually the guy that gels most with Donovan Smith was Sonny Cumbie, the offensive coordinator last year, who. Does the air raid, but also likes to incorporate some QB runs. Also likes to slow it down a little bit. Likes to kind of have that take up the clock a little bit more, which I think accentuates Donovan Smith's skill set a little bit uh, um, more to that effect. And to a little bit Tyler Shuck, though he doesn't do the quarterback runs or shouldn't do the quarterback runs as much as let me as much as the other ones do. He is more of a let's calm it down a little bit, slow the game down type of quarterback. So it's been a little bit trying to adjust to Zach Kittley, who does like to get the ball out fast and likes to pass the ball when we have running backs that can run the ball. Right? Zach Kittley last year with Western Kentucky threw the ball something like eight, 85% of the time at Western Kentucky. And so the big question coming into the season was, well, was that because you just didn't have the personnel or is that how your offense is? Coming into the season, it was we just didn't have the personnel. We have good running backs attack. We're going to run the ball. Early in the season, we ran the ball. Lately, we have not run the ball nowhere near as much, and it's not because we can't. So Roderick Thompson and Todd Brooks are still averaging average over six yards to carry in the last game. We're just not doing it, right? And so that's a little bit of cost concern as well. Yeah, it it almost seems like rather than waiting until they're behind and need to throw to get caught back up, they're just operating under the assumption that they're going to need to throw all game long, and they're just going for it immediately, um, which, I mean, I, there can be some advantage to not trying to ramp up your passing game, you know, only in the situations where you think you might need it. But as we've seen from multiple teams and multiple years of Big 12 play, 
teams that can establish good running games, especially early in games, are setting themselves up. You know, Kansas does the same sort of thing. They 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 have actually run the ball a bunch more times than they've actually passed, which normally you would think because Kansas is like averaging like nine point uh, I think it's nine point four yards per pass attempt um, on offense this year, and they're averaging five point eight yards per carry. But they carry the ball a bunch more times because that helps set the tone. It helps open things up for the passing game. And it requires then for teams to play two different styles. And Texas Tech, you're right, has seemed to have lost a lot of that in the last couple of weeks, especially as you get into the fourth quarter, which might be you know kind of part of the reason they've been having so many issues in the fourth quarter. Um, talking, though, about this team, because obviously, like you said, you were expecting a 4-8. and eight. Like That was what you were expecting at this point. They already have four wins on the season. They do have a legitimate shot with the rest of their schedule. Um, you know, they are they are favored in this game against Kansas, which you can debate whether that they actually should be favored in this game against Kansas or not. Um, you know, I, I have seen some people having some serious discussions about that. But then the final two games are not, like, extremely difficult games. Now, I, I, I don't know how well um, Texas Tech is going to match up with either of these teams, but Iowa State, you know, their 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 defense is fantastic, but their offense is atrocious. Um, and so Texas Tech has an has an opportunity there, even though it's on the road. And then against Oklahoma, Oklahoma has looked like a team that has struggled all over the place and has been kind of up and down. And you have no idea what you're getting from them. So that one being at home to end the season, even if they don't get this win against Kansas, they still have a decent shot, I think, of getting enough wins to potentially get to a bowl. But um, you know, seeing the way that this team started, the way that you know they, they beat Texas again early in the year which seems to be a thing that happens every once in a while that um, it's just completely inexplicable, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, any, anytime t- people think Texas is back, it's usually Texas Tech or Kansas that humbles them to the point where people are like, well, maybe not. Um, so they got that early in the year. Did that really kind of change the perception for this team? Or was this always kind of a, you know, playing with house money being three and one to begin the year? And then it was just how many more can we get and, and can we potentially get to a bowl? Now, after the Texas game, I'd say it's it's been bowl or bust since. So I, I will say, though I've been I, – I was saying I, I had four and eight. Most of the fan base thought the team would at least be good to potentially get to a bowl. And when you start the season off three and one, we saw the NC State game. So we knew, okay, well, this team ain't uh, world beaters, right? And we saw Houston start to get to overtime just to beat Houston. But winning against Texas was one where I think most of the fan base said, okay, well, now bowl is now the expectation, not the hope. And so from that moment on, it has been like that. Um, and we've had, our, we've had our opportunities. I mean, we really, we've talked about it. So the Baylor game became a blowout because of the fourth quarter. Right. In that Baylor game, there hasn't been a game where Texas Tech wasn't in it. Um, wasn't in well, it and a it's, chance to win the game. It's, it's one of those things, uh, too, though, on. looking at the teams that they played, like, especially with the benefit of hindsight, right, seeing how good this Kansas State team is, seeing how good Oklahoma State was until they were decimated by injuries, um, you know, like, I don't know that you realistically could have expected that they win either of those games. The Baylor game was a disappointing game. That was a game that, honestly, coming into that game, you felt like Texas Tech should have been, if not more competitive, probably should have won that game being at home. And the game against, but then the game against TCU, like, I think there was a lot of people, myself included, I was watching that game from the press box, you know, with with Kansas, you know, just walloping Oklahoma State. And I was just like, I, I can't believe that Texas Tech is this competitive until the fourth quarter. Um, just because of the way TCU had been looking and the way that Texas Tech came out yeah. and played. And so it was one of those, like, Texas Tech is the is the definition, I think, of a Big 12 team or the epitome of a Big 12 team this year in that you can look at the team and you can say, hey, they probably don't have a, a legitimate shot of winning this game because the other team is so much better. But every team in the Big 12 has the opportunity to play up and surprise the teams at the top. I'm honestly shocked that TCU has not had there yet, you know, Oklahoma State versus Iowa State game that just completely derails their season against one of the worst team in the con the one of the worst teams in the conference because Texas or because TCU has had those opportunities they just haven't been bit by one yet so yeah um, I mean and I think with Texas Tech it's it's really we're going through this is still a growing pain season for everybody right so this is a fairly young team um, this is a co a, a new coaching staff right Joe McGuire is a first year head coach at the collegiate level. Uh, Zach Kittley, this is his first time as an offensive coordinator in the power in the in the power five. We have a lot of younger um coaches, position coaches. Um, and so we're going through growing pains in general, right? Of the five losses that we had, uh, three of them, we had the lead in either the late third quarter 
or the fourth quarter or tied going into that. The Baylor game, we were within a touchdown. Really, only the only game where we didn't have a really shot at winning was NC State. Like that's the only game where we didn't feel going into the fourth quarter, late in the third, that we can we might be able to do this. And so it's really, I think, that the up to for about two and a half, three quarters, the team plays really well. They're in it. They're in the fight. It's just closing. And we've had the problem even back in the Matt Wells tenure of stacking wins. They they always used to talk about stacking wins. A lot of times talk about stacking just not just stacking wins at the end of the game, but also stacking positive plays. And I think not just playing, but also coaching, we really need to stack that when it's time to close and stack positive scenarios and positive situations. We do that and close the, close the, uh, the end there. I don't doubt that we'll get there. It's just when, as opposed to. Well, it's, it's funny because I see a lot in this Texas tech team, what I saw from Kansas the last few years where they have a fairly talented front line. They don't have a ton of depth that can stay kind of at that same level. And so they run into an issue, especially late in games, where you're, you know, your guys that give you the opportunity to stay in a game are tired by the end of the game, and you can't get the same production from the guys that come in to spell them. Um, and so, you know, Kansas had a lot of those games where they would stay really competitive for a half or stay competitive for, you know, the first three quarters, and then everything would fall apart because you just didn't have the guys that had the stamina or had enough depth that could play at that same sort of level. Texas Tech, I think, is in a fairly similar position. They have some really good top-end guys. But you look at that depth top to bottom, kind of kind of to your point, you know, you were talking about the the not necessarily knowing where the roster was, if it was good enough. I, that's exactly the way that Kansas' roster was. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't deep enough. It didn't have, you know, Big 12 talent top to bottom. And I think Texas Tech going through the coaching change is in a kind of similar sort of position. Although I think Joey McGuire was much more successful in his first, you know, year recruiting because of the kind of the way that everything was set up to allow him to get that head start on it. Um, like I think he was a lot more successful than a lot of coaches who usually come in in their, in their first season. So I think that that really helps them. It probably helped them this year and it should kind of similar to what, how it's worked for Kansas coming into this year should set them up for a potential big bounce in, in year two, where they could make a big jump up. I, I mean, I, I think looking at it from the outside, trying to be as objective as possible and having just gone through something very similar to, to what you're describing, it sounds like Texas tech is on the right track, has a good opportunity and, and is probably ahead of schedule of where you might've thought they would have been, you know, having to go from a coach like Matt Wells, who, as you as you put it, was was disappointing and wasn't able to stack the wins that he needed to, to a guy like Joey McGuire, who I've been saying it since he got hired. He's a guy that I think is going to be really good in the Big 12. The question is always, you know, when, not if. So yeah. um, so let's, let's go ahead and jump and look specifically to what Texas Tech is doing because you talked about, you know, Morton is out. He's already been confirmed to be out. Um, it also, I also saw that the, the right starting, the starting right tackle for Texas Tech is also out. Um, so there's definitely some concerns there, right? So, so let's go ahead and start with the offense. What, what are the big concerns and how is, how do you imagine Texas Tech is going to try to sustain their offensive attack in this game? So like, what are the things that Kansas needs to look out for on defense? If, if, if Kansas fans are trying to figure out whose names are going to get called the most for Texas Tech on offense, how, how can they, you know, prepare for that? Well, what I hope or what's going to happen is so, yes. <laughs> two different things. What I hope is that we run the ball. I want us to run the ball. So Roger Thompson and Todd Brooks, first of all, the Big 12 has like an embarrassment of riches at the running back position. It's insane. Me and Jeremy on the Tortillas and Takes podcast. Oh, yeah, gosh. We, um, every week. We talk about, oh, another running back. Tell Stop us if you heard us before, but the other team has another great running back. Actually, we were just finished up the pod a second ago. We talked about Devin Neal because another team has another really good running back that we should watch out for. Um, and so the same thing with Tech, right? Thompson and Brooks, very good duo. I would argue that we have probably, when it comes to duos, a top three duo in the conference. Um, that's how good I think they are. The problem is recently we really haven't been going to them. And so that's the issue there. Uh, Miles Price has been hurt. <laughs> Players being hurt are going to be a general theme in this episode. Um, but Miles Price has been hurt. He just he's should be back for this game. Um, played a little bit last week. Should be back for this game a little bit more. But in his steed has been Xavier White has actually a former running back, former A back last few years. Got converted to slot this year. Didn't really play a lot in the first couple of games. Once Miles Price went down, came in and got busy. 
And so he's been really good lately. Not, Nehemiah Martinez came out of nowhere and, and nobody expected anything from him. He's had a good season. But what I'm, I think one of the bigger problems that Tex had offensively though, is we're used to having just these great, incredible outside receivers and the outside receivers have been very inconsistent. They're not really getting a lot of separation. Um, have been a lot of great highlight plays, especially from JJ Sparkman, but to get highlight plays, that means somebody's covering you because you couldn't get separation. And so when you, when you moss somebody, you gotta, somebody has to be there to moss. That's been a big problem is we haven't really got great separation and the plays haven't, and the plays haven't schemed guys open and the guys aren't getting themselves open. And so I, if you have a situation where Duran Bradley, Loic Fungi, JJ Sparkman, Trey Cleveland are actually having these great games, well, then it's likely a tech W just recently. We haven't really seen that um, on the O-line injuries, 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 injuries. And coming into the season, this was a unit that I talked about early on that was very talented, but very thin. And I was from the very beginning before the season started, I said, we can't afford injuries on this line. I remember that. All we've gotten was injuries on this line. (laughs) So it has not helped at all. No, it's, it's kind of funny because Kansas where they have a bunch of uh, depth at the defensive line, they've had a rotation of guys getting injured on the defensive line, but they have the depth to handle that. They've been very fortunate on the offensive line to not have a ton of injuries, even though they have probably a two deep of guys that theoretically could play for them. But yeah, teams like Texas Tech and uh, there, there's a few other ones in the conference that have like their five guys. And if any of those guys go down, then it's going to be a tough day. So um, it's been a problem. I mean, that's, this is the weak spot on the team right now that it's the O-line. The O-line is, is at times been kind of a, a grated cheese. People have been able to go through. because So so which is worse for them? Is it is it the running, the the run blocking that's been worse or the pass oh, blocking? pass blocking. Okay. No question. It's, it's no question in the pass blocking. I think run blocking, they're still fine because we, they, regardless of who's playing, they're big. They're pretty big. They're pretty powerful. They're pretty huge. And, the, and run blocking, they've actually been uh, been quite all right, right? So Weston Wright, he's another guy that was hurt early in the year. Uh, has been, he came back and has also been good kind of coming back into that place. Landon Peterson's actually had a pretty decent season, better than expected. Um, Dennis Wilburn as a backup has come in and done well in the, in the run blocking game as well. But pass blocking has been a struggle. Well, um, and kind of to that point, you look and you see that Texas Tech has given up 34 sacks on the season, um, which feels like it's got to be some kind of record, but I really don't want to try to look it up to see what that actual record is you know on the other side you have kansas who i think has given up a total of five sacks or four five sacks, sacks. Yeah, it, yeah it it is only five I, I i couldn't remember if they had gotten that fifth one or not but right yeah. they have a handful of sacks and that's it a um, literal handful yeah and just I, just a well, handful i got a, I got a, so. a full cart yeah, right, <laughs> right. you you have the sam's club shopping cart full whereas <laughs> yeah, i just right. have the handful exactly <laughs> all yeah. right well yeah. man no i just it's we're we're just so thin at o-line our pass blocking has been, it's been tough and, and um, it, it makes it difficult. I think it, it makes it difficult for the quarterbacks back. There. That's one of the biggest reasons why some of our quarterbacks have struggled because you're telling a, a retro freshman quarterback and Baron Morton that, Hey, by the way, I know you're new to this, but you also have to watch out for every, all the, 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 the D lines coming after you at all times. You have Donovan Smith who is great rolling out and great throwing on the run, but not great reading when players are coming after him. So he takes a lot of sacks, shucks him mobile. So it, it's it's just you yeah. go for three in that aspect. Yeah, it's not a great setup for, you know, matching the talent that you have at quarterback with the pass blocking capabilities of the offensive line. And I think Kansas has been, um, we, we've had our fair share of those sort of mismatches as well. So I, I definitely can feel the pain there. Um, so, so looking at this game, you know, obviously with Morton out, um, I, I actually have not seen yet where anybody really has a good handle on whether it's going to be Donovan Smith or Tyler Shuck starting. Um, do you have any ideas or, or do you have a preference as to which one should start for this game? Oh, I have a preference. Absolutely. It should be Donovan Smith. Okay. Um, so to me, it's Tyler Shuck is, is at this point from what we saw last week against TCU now. Mind you, a full week of practice, who knows? Maybe this changes. Um, but from what we've seen, not just this week, but the week before, he's a little bit of a shell of himself, right? It, it's really tough coming back from collarbone injuries. Now back-to-back collarbone injuries. That's just very tough. And it's it seems like he really needs more rehab, more time to get used to his shoulder and all that other stuff. The ball, the, the zip on the ball that we've seen, pre- I've seen previously is absolutely gone at this point. Um, and then, like I said, he's, he's a mobile. His, he's not running the way he, he has, he, he did when he was at Oregon or even last year against Houston. Um, he, he's just a shell of himself at this point. Donovan Smith has led us to multiple 
top 25 victories this year alone, not to mention the play he did last year at the end of the year, beating Mississippi State in the bowl game. Donovan Smith is the guy that at the very least, you're gonna he's going to give you some struggles, but you kind of know what you're getting with Donovan Smith. You know the type of quarterback he is, and it's not, a, it's not a mystery. I say you stick with Donovan Smith, and he's the guy. and He's the guy that's shown that he can throw an interception and get right back up and go in and go and get a touchdown. Um, he can get you in the game. He can lead you, lead you into a victory. And so that's who I run with. I roll with Donovan Smith. Who is going to start? I have zero idea. Absolutely yeah, no yeah. Idea. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things, unfortunately – well, or, or maybe fortunately, depending on what your view is of how much of a competitive advantage it actually is, um, it's very, very difficult to get any kind of indication of you know when players are coming back or which players are going to start in place for the guys or all that fun stuff. So, but uh, you know, but speaking of you know things that you know what you're going to get with them, um, the thing that you know you're going to get something fantastic every single time is sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of great stuff. They actually just added joggers to the comfort collection line, which is absolutely fantastic stuff. It is the most comfortable apparel you're going to find anywhere, and I like to wear mine all the time, even probably in situations where I probably shouldn't be wearing it. But hey, it's great. Super comfortable stuff. It's a good conversation starter with the logos that they have. It's absolutely fantastic. They have over 140 different schools right now. They continue to keep adding more stuff and refreshing a lot of the lines that they have. Um, they have great Kansas line, great Texas Tech line. I really still am planning on getting one of those tortilla tile shirts. Uh, I don't have it yet, and I keep telling myself now is the time to buy it. So they are getting ready. You know, we are getting close to the holiday season. So start thinking now about which ones you want to get for which people on your shopping list because everybody loves home field apparel. You're going to find some great stuff. And hey, while you're picking stuff up for other people, you might as well slip another one or two in the cart for you. If it's your first time ordering from home field apparel, you can use promo code CHALK12, get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. But, uh, you know, as we get closer to holiday season, I'm pretty sure we're probably going to have some pretty good deals coming from home field anyway. So make sure that you are paying attention, all the new stuff that they're getting and keep an eye out for any kind of the holiday stuff. Again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off that entire first order and all orders over $100 have free shipping. All right, Albie, I do want to go ahead, switch over to the other side of the ball, talk about that Texas Tech defense and how they're going to handle this Kansas offense. But, but, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Boom! Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it, and the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here, and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. And we are back. I am joined by, I'll be sure, of the Tortillas and Takes podcast uh, here on the 1012 Podcast Network. Um, Albie, we already got done talking about the Texas Tech offense. Now let's switch over to the defense because I think this is a unit for me that has both surprised me in good ways and in bad ways over the course of the year, which seems pretty standard for a Texas Tech defense. But your overall impression of the defense this year, has it lived up to your expectations? And you know how have they been able to both, I think, overperform expectations and underperform expectations at the same time? I would say they met my expectations. So going into the year, I was scared. And I was scared because secondary was the best unit on the team. And any time in the past decade plus, the secondary has been the best unit on our defense. That means our defense is abysmal. And so I was... I I have to say, that's probably one of my favorite quotes out of the entire time I joined the podcast is, if your secondary is the best unit on your defense, you have a horrible defense. (laughs) That's that's usually how it works. (laughs) However, this secondary... So the idea, though, is this secondary is very veteran-led, right? I think all but one player is like a senior or super senior on this secondary. Um, And then that one player is just like a redshirt junior. So everybody on this secondary has played at least four years of college football. Um, and so, you know, I was worried that this was our strongest group, but this group has played fantastically. 
right? I, I think last I checked, we were second in the Big 12 and passing on defensive passing yards. That's amazing. Um for the secondary. And so times when it's so t- the other team a lot of the times just don't pass the ball, right? Because of it. Because of it, they say we're better off running the ball against this defense than passing against a Texas Tech defense. So I'm going to say that again. Against a Texas Tech defense, teams feel it is better to not pass the ball. That is amazing in general. But it's because our our, our secondary is just is, it's that good. I mean, Malik Dunlap, every time he, the teams try to pick on him, he gets a great deflection or he gets a the few times he gets an interception because nobody gets interceptions on this team for some reason. Um, but he's been doing great. Rashad Williams has been doing fantastic. Reggie Pearson is having another, uh, another great defense from the secondary. Uh, Dejan Taylor Demerson, the rabbit, he's been fantastic. Muddy Waters from the star position. Like I have more than like, there's not enough good things I can say about how good the secondary has been this year. Um, the problem is, like I said, teams have just decided to run the ball and our run defense is lacking. We're still towards the bottom of the Big 12 and run defense. A lot of that has to do with Kansas State decided to run for a million yards against us. And that really, sorry, that really exploded our run defensive totals. Yeah. But I mean, in, in general, our run our run defense has been lacking at times, especially when a quarterback can run. Um, so being on a Kansas podcast where your quarterbacks are either Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels, that's not great to hear that Texas Tech isn't, or I mean, I guess it's great to hear that Texas Tech isn't the best when it comes to defending quarterbacks who run the ball, but that's been some of the struggles that we've had this year. Uh, but in, but in past defense, I mean, our, our D line has really gotten after it in past defense. Our secondary has been fantastic. It's just that run defense because the weakest position, on the team coming into the season. And I still think it's one of the weaker positions on the team has been that linebacker position, especially um, at the second level, right? Kershawn Merriweather is fantastic. Kosai Eldridge is really, has gotten really good at the QB spy, but we still struggle a little bit times. Once the running back breaks that first level, the linebackers still have some work to do outside of Kershawn Merriweather. And that's where we, that's where as a, as a unit, they, they got to get better. Yeah. So, so how much does watching what Kansas did last week kind of scare you as a Texas tech fan? Because, you know, that's exactly the kind of situation that Oklahoma State, right, found themselves in. While while their yeah. defensive secondary is not not nearly as good, I think, as what Texas Tech has, the linebacker position was the worry. And, you know, they had a defensive line that I thought was a really, really good defensive line coming into the year. Um, Kansas pretty much embarrassed that defensive line. Like, it was it was really, really bad. It was a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. And while, while some of that's due to injuries um, – they didn't have a lot of injuries along the defensive line, except for, you know, all the people that decided to go down for a couple plays here and there through that game. I mean, that, that game, there was a stoppage of play every like four to five plays for somebody who was down on the field injured for both Kansas and Oklahoma State. But, you know, Kansas picked apart that that uh, Oklahoma State defense by opening up holes to get to the second level to take advantage of linebackers to, you know, by clearing out the middle and, you know, looking at or having Devin Neal basically look like he's doing pass protection and then leak out for a really, really big gain over the middle where there was like nobody there. Like Kansas has done a lot for that misdirection in a, a defense that sets up, I think, fairly similar to what Texas Tech does in, in Oklahoma State with maybe some potential differences in terms of relative strengths of personnel. But um, do you, after seeing what Kansas did, um, worry about them doing something similar to what Texas tech does, or are there enough differences that you're not necessarily quite so concerned? Well, I mean, I think some of the differences is that there we, we have talent. <laughs> so like, not to, not to back, yeah, uninjured talent. <laughs> like, not, to, not to back on Oklahoma state too much, but like they, Oklahoma state doesn't have a Krishan Mayweather and they definitely don't have a Tyree Wilson. And so like that, that helps. So Tyree Wilson is Tyree. If you haven't heard the name Tyree Wilson to this point, you will hear the name Tyree Wilson for the next eight, eight, ten years or whatever. He's going to be in the NFL. You'll, you'll definitely hear his name come April. Uh, he's going to be a top 10, 15 pick in the NFL draft. He is a, a, a wonderkind, right? He's fantastic. Every single game he's played this year, he's been amazing. Every single one. There's been there's been um, nothing more I can say about Tyree Wilson. He's going to get double teamed in this game because that's just what you do at this point when you have a guy like that. Um, Tim DeRuiter, our defensive coordinator, has he has coached guys um, like just last year he was at Oregon. He coached Kayvon Thibodeau, and he compares Kayvon Thibodeau, who was a top ten pick in the in the draft, to Tyree Wilson. A lot. He also coached Miles Garrett. Now he doesn't compare Tyree Wilson to Miles Garrett too much. Because <laughs> Duriter did say that Miles Garrett is the most talented human being he's ever coached. But Kayvon Thibodeau 
and Tyree Wilson, he compares them a lot. He says that they're virtually a very similar court, or, uh, pass rushers. They're very similar work ethic. And that should should scare Kansas fans or Kansas O-linemen watching the tape of what Tyree Wilson can do. Also, a couple guys we call the law firm, which is Jalen Hutchins and Tony Bradford. Tony Bradford right now uh, is second on the team in sacks as a D-tackle, which is amazing. Second two. Tyree Wilson has seven on the year, which is again amazing. But three and a half sacks for Tony Bradford himself, and then Jalen Hutchins done a great job. And he's probably been our one of our best run defenders in Jalen Hutchins. So the, we have the talent in the front seven. Issue is, is that you have those four guys I just mentioned. Bit of a gap. Bit of a gap. And but after those, then you get to the Oklahoma State talented players, right? Well, and, it, and it's not like they can be out there on every single snap. Like exactly. I think that's where where Kansas has been been able to be successful and, is if you make you, one, you can you can run away from them that's, well yeah right, right 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 so you can scheme away from those guys a lot of the times like there's very many times where Krishan Merriweather and Tyree Wilson line up on the same side or there's very many times where even if you have Bradford and where it's either Bradford or Hutchins and even if when you, and you have both of them there okay we'll just we'll just run an outside to uh an outside maybe it's a toss play or maybe it's a speed option right and a lot of those plays a lot of the times can can get the the front seven on the, on their heels. Yeah, well, and you talk about speed options. I mean, that's Kansas' specialty is <laughs> getting out on that speed option. You know, throwing the ball in a wide receiver screen out on the flat, and then having you know big old Jared Casey out there just uh, plowing people down as they go down the sideline. I, I swear, I was I was looking at this last week, and I I cannot count the number of times that we have seen a very long run down the sideline for a Kansas player where Jared Casey is not clearing two or three guys out in front of him, you know, five yards down the field from where the guy is and, and pretty much keeping up with him most of the time too. So Jared Casey, I think is one of those offensive blocking weapons that gets underappreciated for what he can do um, in the running game or in the pass blocking game, or I'm sorry, in the, in the blocking game downfield. So I'll be very interested to see how Kansas uses them. If they try to run towards some of those guys, if they don't throw, you know, a Casey or a Mason Fairchild or, or one of those blocking tight ends out there to clear the way to open up an additional, you know, three or four yards. Um, as we've seen what Kansas, you know, does, they, they don't, I mean, they would prefer to just run up and down the field and score, you know, at will, but they're not afraid to, you know, take a long drive like they did against Oklahoma State to start the second half. You know, dink and dunk down those, the field, take a long drive. You know, those build long some drives have that killed way. us. Yeah, and so that's the thing. Those long drives more than the, like we we very much employed a, a a real legit bend but don't break defense. And I say real legit because if you're a Tech fan, they've been preaching this bend but don't break defense since Cliff Kingsbury first got the Tech, and we've been a break and it's, in, and it's some more and defense. It's, Bend, bend and buckle and break all over the place defense, yeah. right? <laughs> bend, yeah. break, bend, break, bend, break. This year actually hasn't truly been a bend or don't break defense, um, or try not to break defense, I should say. I think really where the breaks have happened has been, and, and I, I sometimes I look, when you look at like the, the defensive stats in the Big 12, it's a little bit of, uh, um, it's a little bit of fake for Tech. So Tech right now is tied for seventh in, in points given up per game. Problem with that, and the reason why I'm saying it's a little fake, is because it's not the defense really giving up those points. It's the offense putting the defense in abysmal situations. Right. Like, like there's been many times where they're starting the field on their own 30. They're starting, they, they've held, held, and holding the offense to a field goal, that's as much of a win as anything, but that's still points given up. Right? Yep. And so that's, there's just, just many times where that has happened, where it's not really on the defense that should, if anything, be three points against the offense or even seven points against the offense because they threw had they had a, a interception that put them to the to the bottom twelve. But I, I I have more nothing but good things to say overall about the defense. Oh, the run defense sometimes can be lacking, but even that, I even think the run defense hasn't been as bad as we've seen a brief, uh, just last year when TCU in Texas was you know, just crapping all over us, right? This run defense has been better in that regard. I think the only true, true negative I can say about the defense is we have not gotten turnovers at all. The worst in the Big 12 in, in getting turnovers, I think we're worse in the Big 12 in giving up turnovers. Obviously, that makes us worse in the Big 12 and one of the worst teams in the entire country and turnover differential. Um, that's that's the biggest, that's truly the biggest thing. We were talking about early in this podcast about fourth quarters and all that other stuff. I mean, we just got some turnovers. This four and five record we have right now could easily be five and four, if not if not tying Kansas six and three. Like a couple turnovers. Yeah. And some of our losses turn into wins, but we just are abysmal at giving the ball up, abysmal at taking the ball away, and, and it's just been a problem all season. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it is one of those things. And unfortunately, you're going up against a Kansas team that just doesn't turn the ball over very much. Oh, I no. mean, they have oh, they no. have they have had more than their fair share of fumbles, and yet somehow they managed to jump on them. They have 15 fumbles on the year, and they've only lost seven of them, which I find absolutely ridiculously weird. Um, Daniel Hyshaw, before he got injured, actually was a specialist at that, where he would fumble and then jump on his own fumble. I think he did it three times this year, uh, which is just kind of ridiculous to think about. Um, but and and then Kansas only thrown five interceptions, or, or maybe it's four. I don't remember honestly. Um, that's what happens when you don't have very many of them, so it's hard to remember how many there actually are. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know, the opposite problem when there's so many of them that you just can't keep count. Um, but you know, Kansas, I think is one of those teams too. Like you look at what Kansas does, I think it matches up fairly well with what Texas Tech wants to try to do. Um, and then the other way around as well, I think that Texas Tech has some abilities to potentially take advantage of some of the things that Kansas defensively um, isn't necessarily so great at. But I don't know that based off of what we've seen that Joey McGuire and the offensive coaching staff is really um, seems very eager to attack those particular things. You know, Kansas has been, had a lot of issues with with the running game and giving up a lot of yards, but usually it takes a little bit of time to get into that and really start to cause problems. And Kansas has had plenty of plays where they're able to diagnose and, you know, it's kind of a boom or bust defense in terms of the running game where they either get a nice stop for a four yard loss or they give up a 20 yard, you know, gain or something like that. So um, it will be interesting to see how, how well Texas tech is going to go ahead and actually stick with those. So we are at the point now where uh, actually, before we get to the, to the very next thing um, key matchup in this game, what do you think is going to be the most, important thing to look at when we are trying to figure out who actually wins the game. So I think it's really going to be interesting on, on the hand Texas Tech's front seven limit Kansas's rushing attack. I think that's going to be really huge in this one. Um, I already, I, to be honest, I already think that the secondary will do, do our thing. I don't think that, I don't think Kansas is going to pass for anything crazy, I mean, and this, depending on who the quarterback is, uh, Jason Bean's not going to go for 400 yards anyway. Um, but uh, but Jalen Daniels could. But um, <laughs> well, but I, mean, I think I, th- I think I, Jason Bean could if that's what they focused on, right? And yeah. and if that's what like if that well, was what I, I, decided they were going to do, and it started to be successful, and then they really pushed it, Jason Bean could get there. But I don't think. But that, if I'm Kansas's yeah. offense and I'm watching tape and I'm watching Texas Tech's tape, I'm saying we're running the ball. And oh yeah, for sure. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And so really limiting that, right? If we can hold Kansas to less than 200 yards rushing, that is a huge win. I well, think, and to be honest, if you're Kansas, unless you're going up against a team that is really, really good against the run, you're running the ball anyway because that's where Kansas' strength is: is exactly. being able to run the ball, being able to do the misdirection, you know, with three different guys on the field at the same time that can run. Like the fact is, Kansas is a running team first because it helps set up their pass down the field. Um, I, I, I think. The thing that's going to, I think, tell me the most about who's going to win this game is really going to come down to how well can Texas Tech stop Kansas from getting explosive plays on offense. Because Kansas will have plenty of times where they'll, you know, dink and dunk down the field or times where they will, um, you know, go three and out and give the ball back to Texas Tech. But when they really start to get on a roll and when they really start to cause problems for opposing teams is when they get those explosive plays, you know, those 20-yard plus. Um, because we saw that against, you know, Houston. We saw that against West Virginia, where Kansas played horribly to start the game. Um, you know, the defense gave up 14 points. Kansas gets down 14 nothing, And then all of a sudden, the defense really starts to lock down. They feed off the energy of the offense as the offense starts to get offense, you know, explosive play after explosive play. You know, Kansas went on a, uh, I believe it was like a, it was a 48 to like 12 run, I think, against uh, West Virginia, and it was a 42 to 7 run against Houston. Like, they have done that time and time again all year long where they can get down by a decent amount, and then all of a sudden a switch can flip. Um, that usually starts with one or two offensive plays that are just absolutely explosive for 30 or 40 yards, and it snowballs. And, and so I think if, if Kansas can start those plays early, like they did against Oklahoma State, you look at the first drive for Kansas, you know, they had a, they had a 31 yard you know, run on that first drive against Oklahoma State, and it snowballed from there. The defense is going to have to come up big for the Jayhawks, but the thing that's going to tell you the most about how this game is going, I think, is how many times, if, if, if Kansas can get five explosive plays in this game, I think that they have a really good chance of winning the game because that means that they're going to go ahead and get and get rolling. Now, 
obviously if all of those come in the, you know, in the fourth quarter after Kansas is down by a whole bunch, um, kind of like what happened against Baylor, then that's a different matter. But, you know, you look in the first half, if, if, if Kansas has four or five explosive plays in that first half, then I think Kansas walks their way to a win because that means that the offense is operating where it needs to. And the defense is going to be able to feed off that energy. Kansas is a second half team that as long as they're close going into the fourth quarter, that, you know, that defense is going to clamp down. And of course we've all seen what, you know, Texas Tech has had problems exact in the fourth opposite. quarter. So, exact right. Opposite. So, you know, Kansas is much, is very much a second half team that uses the depth that they have and uses the, the ingenuity of that, of that coaching staff to really figure out and like, get into the heads of what the opponent is doing by the time they get to that fourth quarter and can, can usually do exactly what they need to do to be competitive. The real question is just, are they close enough going into that fourth quarter that they can turn it into a win? Well, now, who is the quarterback for Kansas is the question. I heard that Jalen is the good, good question. Well, I heard Jalen Daniels so, might be healthy for so this one. Jalen so Daniels has been in practice, has been participating in practice. From what I understand, if they needed him to go last week, he could have gone. But, you know, they wanted to give him that extra week, at least one extra week, to get completely healthy, not bring him back before they had to bring him back. And then with the game that Bean had last week, I think that buys Daniels another week if he wants it. Like, or or if, if the coaching staff thinks that he has any more room to improve in terms of health, that they'll keep him out another week. You know, I think really what y'all should do is really, you got a big rivalry game next week. You know, really just take it. He should take it easy, take a week off, mm. really have him healthy for that big rivalry game next week. And Lawrence, right? You don't want him yeah, re injuring yeah. anything. Well, you know, right, senior night, like you want to make sure everyone, all the night. seniors are available exactly. for senior exactly. night, right? Well, that's, but, that's the best way to do it. But, I, but, I know, I know well, but in that I case, then what that podcast. means. Well, I know that's why I listen to this podcast. I'm trying to give him advice here. Um, I know he's a big fan. Actually, it's funny because I'm pretty sure his wife does. So, so it's, it's yeah. actually kind so, of okay. funny. So, so Mrs. Leipold, <laughs> tell your husband, Jalen Daniels needs to take a week off. Let him rest up for Texas. That's what matters. No, but, this, but, little Texas but the thing matter. is, the thing is though, I'll be Jason Bean is the one that's the senior, which means that if we're worried about senior day, we want to make sure that Jason Bean's available for senior day, which means Jalen Daniels should play this week. So there's no chance that Bean gets injured. But listen, listen, so. Jalen, Jason Bean just wants to win senior day. Right? You yeah, want exactly. the best quarterback. <laughs> you would happily take, like, if you I'm know, just, it's one of those things yeah. though, whichever quarterback plays for Kansas, it's going to be a beast for Texas Tech to try to handle. Um, yeah, they do different sure. things. And while you may th- like, it's, it's looking at the difference between, oh, I'm trying to think of like one really good cut of steak versus another really good cut of steak. They're both really, really good. Yeah. The question well, so is just, which one? Like I did, I did just have. talk about this on TNT. So I think really what it is, is they're both very good. Jalen Daniels just raises the potential of the entire, right. of the, of the team. Jalen Daniels can do a little bit more and he does. He's a little bit more varied. So they have more options, I think, under Jalen Daniels. Yeah. But Jason Bean is really good at the things that he yeah. does really well. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be very, very interesting. So this is normally where we would jump over to sponsor here on the podcast, Prize Picks, um, and go over to all of the different picks that they have for this particular game between Kansas and Texas Tech. Unfortunately, I just went over to prizepicks.com and took a look. And I, I think it probably has to do with the fact that there are so many injuries and so many questions about who's actually playing in this game. Um, that the only player that you're probably certain is going to be playing in this game that would have any props to be worth looking at would be Devin Neal um, on on the Kansas side. And I have absolutely no idea whether Devin Neal is going to go off for 300 yards or if he's you know going to be held to like 52 because Texas Tech finds a way to bottle him up and and make other people do stuff. So um, I don't I don't know that I un, or I, I can't necessarily blame them for not having any picks for Kansas or Texas Tech players this week because of all the. You know, this is unfortunately it's the third week in a row that Kansas has played that they haven't had any picks for him. So I'm a little bit a little bit upset about that just because I want to be picking for this. Um some of these Kansas teams and some of these Kansas games. But if you are not aware of prize picks yet at this point, um prizepicks.com, they are the free legal way to play daily fantasy. They are available in in most states in the in the United States. So you will need to double check and make sure that they're available where you live. But um they have one of the, I think, most fun ways for me anyway, you look at pretty much any sport that you want, whether it's, you know, the English Premier League, they have MMA, they have NFL, NBA, college football, college basketball, they have all kinds of stuff um, out there. You go and you pick, or actually, I'm sorry, I'm looking here, I don't know if I see college basketball yet, they might be working on that one, but 
Regardless, they have a ton of different sports, ton of different players, ton of different, you know, basically you go and you pick anywhere from two to five players, look at one of their projections, pick on a side of the projection, you pull all those together, you can make up to 10 times the amount of your entry for that particular uh, pick that you put together. So if you go over though to pricepicks.com, you'll use that promo code CHALK12, you can get a 100% match on your first deposit up to the first $100 that you deposit there. So um, I have been poking around on there. I've been really enjoying the the time that I've been spending making those picks and uh, really kind of enjoying it. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what my record is over there because uh, it's been up and down. Uh, it was really good for a while and then it was really bad for a while. And now it's kind of been kind of up and down. So, but it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed everything that I've been doing over there. And it is a really fun way to get involved, um, you know, in the space to, to, um, you know, enjoy some of the, the fantasy games that are going on around there in a completely free and legal, or I'm sorry, in a completely legal way to do it. Um, and, and of course it is free to go ahead and poke around there. I, I have been doing that. I, I did that for a while before I deposited and actually jumped in. So, um, go on over there, prizepicks.com, take a look, uh, join in all the fun with us, um, and make some picks. There are a ton of big 12 picks, a ton of other college football picks. Um, you know, just like, you know, throwing it out as an example, Marvin Mims, the Oklahoma wide receiver against West Virginia, Right now, they're, they are, they have set the line at 0.5 receiving touchdowns. It's just a random stat that I'm just throwing out there. Um, you know, they have a ton of both current Kansas, or I'm sorry, current Big 12 teams and also future, uh, Ben Bryant, the Cincinnati quarterback, you know, 266.5 passing yards, the over under there, which they're, they're usually pretty good about setting lines that you look at and you're like, Oh my gosh, I could see it going on either side of those. So it's a lot of fun. Um, you have a really good chance, I think, to kind of show off your college football or your other sports knowledge and just have, you know, have, have a little bit of bragging rights against all your friends. So, all right. Um, I'll be, let's go ahead and finish up with what the, you know, what everybody really wants to know. What is your prediction for this game? How do you see the game shaking out? Do you think that Kansas gets that seventh win or is, uh, Texas tech going to get one step closer to, to qualifying for a bowl game? So, uh, we just got done recording our TNT pods. We made our predictions there. Um, and Jeremy, my, my co-host and me and Jeremy this year, it's usually we, we don't agree so much, but this year we've actually been agreeing quite often. And he said, he actually has Kansas winning this game he Has Kansas winning this game. I think he said, what was it? 27, 24, um, Kansas winning it by field goal. He didn't like the line, the Texas tech line at three and a half, uh, doesn't think the tech is, is the better team. And he actually has as tech or his Kansas winning this game. Uh, doesn't matter who's that quarterback for him. Bean scares him. Daniel scares him. Doesn't matter. I agree with him for everything but the final score and the and the winner. I have Texas Tech winning this game at home. I think Kansas this year, um, Kansas and Lawrence has been a little bit different than Kansas on the road. And so I'm hoping that Kansas on the road comes to Lubbock a little bit and we're able to get a uh, a win over Jason Bean and the rest of the Jayhawks. I have Texas Tech winning this 31-27 with us getting do, playing better against the run than usual, against the running quarterback than usual, and hoping that Donovan Smith gets the start and, and uh, has another one of his patented late-game, game-winning touchdowns. Yeah, so I completely understand where you're coming from there. Kansas on the road has been a little bit different. Um, I think partly, too, though, is that the teams they played have matched up a whole lot better with Kansas when they've been on the road. And, you know, obviously Jason Bean taking over and going on the road is a completely different animal than a Jalen Daniels who, you know, was phenomenal against West Virginia, against Houston. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that is a little bit different. But I think – also to the point, you know, Baylor and Oklahoma, if you look at that, had both a had an athleticism gap on the Jayhawks that I don't think the Texas Tech has. Oklahoma especially was able to um, mm. use that athleticism gap and the hurry up to really keep the Kansas defense on its heels and not allow them to use the depth wow. that they have. I don't think the Texas Tech is able to do that in the same way. And so what we've seen time and time again all year long is Kansas using that depth on their defensive line to wear down the opponent's offensive line. And with the offensive line issues that Texas Tech has, um, you know, and and the injury concerns there, I, I do think that this is going to be another game where Texas Tech is going to have a very rough fourth quarter because Kansas is going to start getting home with that pressure. They're going to really start um, forcing Texas Tech to do things that they don't necessarily want to do on timelines that they don't necessarily want to do them and get some big turnovers. 
Um, you know, Kansas jumped all over Oklahoma State with early turnovers, and I do think that Kobe Bryant is going to bring that same sort of energy to the defense early. The defense is going to be looking for blood, trying to find ways to establish what they want to do really early in this game. So um, I do think that they're going to probably get, you know, two or three turnovers. Um, they will probably, you know, I think Kansas will probably have four or five sacks in this game as well, just because of how relentless that pressure has been. The thing is, I do think that Texas Tech is going to get a couple sacks here, which has been difficult for anybody to do um, just because of the way that that pass rush is and the way that Kansas, I think, is still trying to kind of figure things out. They, they don't want to hold Devin Neal as back back as much in the the pass protection, although I think they will do it if they absolutely have to. But Kansas needs to get things, some things opened up. So I think that it's going to be kind of a an up-and-down game Ultimately, though, I do think that Kansas is going to go ahead and pull it off. I think Kansas is the better team. I think they have the the higher ceiling on offense, especially given the you know the injury uh, issues with the Texas Tech offense. And so I, I think that Kansas is going to go ahead and pull it pull it out. I think it's going to be a difficult game. It's going to be a back and forth, and I ultimately think that Kansas might have to come from behind in the fourth quarter. But uh, I I do applaud you for your uh, very bold prediction of Texas Tech not only winning but also covering. Um, because Kansas, yeah. I think, has only failed to cover one time this entire year. Um, so, you know, this is a, this is, I think, a case where, uh, Kansas will not only get the cover, but they will also go ahead and get the win in this game. But, uh, it will be very interesting. Like, I would not be shocked if Kansas loses this game, mainly because I think Texas Tech is going to be highly motivated for this one, you know, and, and I'm not necessarily certain how well what Kansas does travels compared to, you know, how, how well they play at home. You are right that they play much, much better at home. Yeah, the Kansas I, well, I home think field is real this year, which is which is a really yeah. weird thing to say because for the longest time it has not meant a single thing at all for Kansas to be at home. Well, I also think for for a tech coaching staff anyway, um, you, you you're trying to get to a bowl game this year. You're, you're desperately trying to get to a bowl game this year, and you look at the last three games, and though you can win each any, though you look at all three games and say they're all winnable games, if you have if you have to win the last two, that's a lot tougher. You, you win Kansas, and then it's just, okay, we just got to win one of the last two. Well, the, one of the last two, then, you know, it's something that's much more attainable. Um, and so I think that this is definitely a game. And I know it's weird for Kansas to be a must-win, but this does feel a little bit more like a must-win for Texas Tech uh, to where well, Kansas, y'all, you, you, you got your ball eligible. To be fair, you know, you've got, Kansas is usually a must-win because if you lose to Kansas, it's like there's a real problem. True. Like that's, that's why true. Kansas is usually a must-win. No, I think this right. year, though, Kansas. That, that, I'll say this: the loss yeah. to Kansas for Matt Wells in nineteen expedited his because we everybody gave Matt Wells that first year grace until he lost to Kansas, right? And then right. it's like, hold on, a, hold on, a damn second. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the one thing you can't do is lose to Kansas. No, but no, I mean, like this year, honestly, I think of those three games, the the game against Kansas is probably the one that you're least likely to win. Because of where Kansas is, the way that Kansas matches up, I just think that that Iowa State and Oklahoma match up for Texas Tech much better than they do against the Jayhawks because of what the Jayhawks have and because of the issues that Oklahoma has had, especially on the road, um, you know, with their quarterback situation as well. So it will be very interesting. Like, I still think that there's a very real possibility that they lose the game this week and then they beat Iowa State on the road and beat Oklahoma at home to go ahead and finish out and get bowl eligible. Like I, I still see that as a very real possibility for yeah, Texas I mean, Tech. So it'll be very interesting. So, all right, I'll be, thank you so much for joining me. We didn't get a chance to talk about basketball because football is still relevant for both of our teams. Imagine that. I would not have thought that that would be the case for both of our teams having relevant football, you know, in the second week of November, but here we are. So, um, we will have plenty of time though to talk about basketball because I was going to say, unfortunately, Andy, this year, I'm not predicting last year. So mind you, I should get a ring as well from last year's team because I did predict y'all to win the national championship. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that, that's a lot you of know? rings that we have to give to people though. That's, because, hey man, it's, because it's, look, some, some hey, people, you remember, you remember when Bob Huggins said after Kansas beat them in the big 12 title game, but they better go on and win the title. Cause otherwise they better fire Bill self. Cause that's the best team that he's had in forever. Like, you know, there are so many people that are trying to claim part of that championship because of things that they said. So Listen, unfortunately are, I'll be, Listen, like, people are listen. First of all, the whole Jayhawk t- basketball team listens to both this podcast and tortillas and takes. So, therefore, because they listen okay. to this podcast, that propelled them to this national championship. Okay? You know what it was, so right? It was that okay. pregame show that we had before that's the right. Big Twelve Championship that's game, right. where both of us were t- teaming up on the Twitter Spaces 
And right. so I guess that propelled. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I also said in that uh, pregame show that you'd win the Big 12 tournament, right? Yeah. And so I so I need two rings. I need both of them, <laughs> really. I need both of them. Um, I like the team is back to being good again. I like 11 of the 12 players in your rotation. Um, so, yeah. Huh, I wonder who the 12th one uh, is. <laughs> wonder who. Wonder who. You like the player. You just don't like what he did, right? Sure. <laughs> No, I'll what be, he did makes me dislike the. Oh, I'll be you're you're not petty at all. <laughs> Who me? No, not no. at all. All right, well, I'll be. Thanks for joining me so much. Uh, for for people that want to get more of your work, where can they find all your stuff? Of course, tortillas and takes, tortillas and takes, tortillas and takes. That's where we. That's where I can have all my stuff on Twitter, on Instagram. Shout out to Kenzie; she does a great job of our graphics on Instagram. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then my, my Twitter handle is at Mr. Underscore. I'll be sure. Uh, so get at me. Yeah, for sure. And of course, before we leave, I do have to say congratulations on your Houston Astros winning the world series. I yes. was not, I was not super thrilled cause I was kind of rooting for the Phillies just because I wanted to see the Phillies win it. But, um, I live, you know. I, I live in Pennsylvania for those that don't know. And, oh, uh, so I did not want to see the Phillies win it. Well, um, yeah, I can, I can understand why, <laughs> you know, I've lived yeah. in a place where, that sort of thing, you know, happens where you're playing against the team where you're living. Um, so, no, I completely understand that. But so, all right, that will do it for us today. Albie, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, for Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, Contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network. It's over on the Sports Drink Network, which is your water cooler for all things sports and non-sports. Two great, fantastic podcast networks that we are really happy to be a part of. You can find all the shows covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference over at 1012network.com. Um, but uh, make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, Price Picks. Use promo code CHALK12. Get great deals with both of those guys there. And that will do it for us. I'll be, thanks again for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you guys next time on the rock chalk podcast. 